Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Our sermon text today is going to be found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And today we'll be considering verses 12 through 17. So that's the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. You can follow along in your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. This is God's Word. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This is the word of God. With your Bibles open there to Hebrews chapter 12, we are continuing our series of messages here in the book of Hebrews, the, the theme or the theme of, of our series together, Consider Jesus, He is Infinitely Greater. And we begin chapter 12, Hunter preached from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, with the race of the Christian life, an analogy that... Uh, that a metaphor that, uh, that Paul loved, the Holy Spirit uh, inspired through him uh, to write this text, to use this here in, in this passage, but also in Philippians chapter 3 and 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Well, again, uh, it beautifully pictures what the, the Christian life is all about. And he's returning to that, uh, that theme today of running the race, but how in this uh, life as believers, we're not running the race alone. We're not competing alone. We're not uh, just running to win the race ourselves. But again, as we entitled this message, we're running that we might finish the race together. Let's join our hearts together uh, in prayer. Father, we praise you for this wonderful time of worship that we have been blessed with thus far. Thank you for the privilege of, of worshiping you in spirit and in truth, and as we're instructed to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. We thank you that we're able to speak to one another through uh, this means. And now, Father, as we together open the Word of God, we want to thank you for inspiring the Word of God. We thank you. Uh, we know and believe the Word teaches that the Word is, is inspired by you, therefore inerrant and also sufficient. Thank you that it is sufficient for, uh, for our uh, Lord daily living. Then we thank you also for not only giving us this word, but also giving us the Holy Spirit to understand 
your word. So we look to you, Holy Spirit, today as our teacher, our indwelling teacher. We thank you that you're present with us individually as well as corporately. So give us understanding, application to this word. Father, you know those in our midst today who also do not have a relationship with Christ. Help us, Lord, to proclaim the gospel today. Clearly, we rejoice in it as believers, but also we thank you for the privilege of sharing it with unbelievers. And I pray you'll awaken the hearts of those who do not know Christ and that you will draw them to Jesus today. That it may be for them the day of salvation. We love you, exalt you, praise you, and again, be glorified as we continue to worship you now in the word of God. In Jesus' precious name we pray and for his sake. Amen. At a special Olympics event, um, some mentally handicapped boys were running the 220-yard, 220-yard race. One runner, Andrew, uh, was a uh, much faster runner than the others, and he was actually about 50 yards ahead of the uh, rest of the boys. Uh, and he was really uh, moving toward the finish line when he, when he looked back at the corner of his eye and he saw one of his teammates, one of his friends actually, who had fallen on the track. So Andrew stopped, he turned around, he went back and he helped his friend get up and again continue to run the race. They finished the race together in last place. But it was more important to Andrew that day that he finish uh, with his friend, that he helped his friend finish the race than it was that he might finish in first place. We need to learn from Andrew. You know, the author of Hebrews, again, has challenged this church to run with endurance, as we see back in chapter 12, 1 and 2, that this race that is set before them. And, and as we saw in the last two messages from the chapter here in Hebrews 12, we learned about discipline and, and how God uses discipline and teaches us continuously through various forms of discipline that he brings into our lives and how through that we must not get discouraged and drop out of the race. And this passage he shows us again and shows them and shows us the, the fact that we are not running at, again as individuals, but we're running together as believers in Christ. We are not running uh, and, and competing as individuals. Again, we're running together and specifically in our relationships together within the local church. So we have a responsibility toward one another to help each other, to, com to complete the race, to finish the race together. And that has been really a, a theme throughout the book of Hebrews. And we certainly see it here today in this passage. So with me, if you will notice four ways that we can help each other finish the race together. Notice, first of all, finish the race together by encouraging each other. I believe we see that in verse 12. Again, those words, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Now, this passage is based and taken from Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3. There, Isaiah was addressing the Jews who uh, were, had uh, gone through, the, uh, had been exiled uh, from their home in Jerusalem, Judah, and now they were struggling, they were wondering, and if you may be reading, maybe if you're reading the Bible through in two years, you see that through the book of Jeremiah, we've seen it through Lamentations, the tremendous suffering and pain, and we see it often as well in the Psalms, and they're struggling here as to 
Are we going back? And it's a very difficult time. And so Isaiah is encouraging them using uh, this word to encourage them during their struggle. And so again, he's returning to this race metaphor and challenging them. And, and the words drooping hands and weak knees, uh, I don't know if you're a, you're a, have a, run a marathon or you've run a race, but, but this pictures again, the, the person who is uh, drooping hands and weak knees, who are, who's physically, emotionally uh, exhausted. And they feel that they can go no further. Perhaps you have been there and you know what that's like. Uh, and even if you haven't been there physically through a marathon, you've probably been there through a, through a trial in your life. As we've just talked about these believers going through persecution, going through a very difficult time in their lives. And we talked about in the last couple of messages about the various ways that, that we go through uh, suffering in our lives and how God uses that to discipline us. And remember, discipline is not always corrective. It may be, but it, can, it, it is for the purpose of training us and growing us in Christ's likeness. And so it can be very, very hard and very, very difficult. And so that pictures where they are, where many of these believers are right now, they have drooping hands. We sang a song during vacation Bible school uh, that our, and our leaders taught us, Sarah and uh, Becca especially, about weak being weak. And so we would illustrate weakness. And by the way, I've had some already warn me, don't fall off the platform, okay? They're afraid that I can't be contained in this little spot. Well, at least I don't have far to fall, right? But anyway, weakness was what? Weak just like this. So you just see those drooping arms and, and weak knees. I mean, about to collapse, right, from exhaustion. And we can be not only physically exhausted, we can be emotionally and spiritually exhausted. And that's where they are. So, so what do we do? What is our responsibility as we think about one another? Well, that is where we are to in, come in as fellow believers and to encourage one another, to strengthen one another in the midst of this. And again, MacArthur points out that in the original language here, it's not our uh, drooping hands and our weak knees, but it's the drooping hands, the weak knees. Speaking of, therefore not of our own personal uh, weak knees and drooping hands, but one another, uh, the, the, those of other believers in the body of Christ. And so we're to encourage one another. How do we do that? The word lift up means to restore straightness or to reinvigorate. Vincent says it was used uh, medically of, of, uh, of, of setting dislocated parts of the body and uh, again, it could be used or literally mean to set right. And so again, it pictures a, a medical procedure there when a person has dislocated a limb, a, an ankle or a knee or, I mean, or part of their body part as they're running. And so they, are, they reset that. And so that's, a, that's what we're to do spiritually with one another. I believe, we, again, we see the same concept uh, throughout the book of Hebrews continuously, but Hebrews chapter three, we saw that when he, when he challenged them in chapter uh, three, verse 12, take care brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we are to exhort one another every day. So let me ask you, are you doing that? Are you encouraging others? Do you see that as part of your responsibility? Again, the weariness of these believers stemmed from this uh, persecution they'd been under. 
And we, we have various kinds of things that cause uh, weak knees and, and drooping hands. And so what are you struggling with? And, and are you, do you have someone in your life that encourages you? And are you an encourager for others? That is our responsibility to one another so that we can finish this race together. That's why, again, these relationships within the body of Christ are so vitally important. We must encourage each other again so that we do not lose heart, so that we don't miss what God is seeking to teach us in whatever he's doing in our lives right now. And that is our part to come alongside of one another. So finish the race together by encouraging each other. But second, finish the race together by helping each other stay on course. Again, you see that in uh, verse 13. He says, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This verse is taken from uh, Proverbs, based on Proverbs. Remember we said earlier that the book of Hebrews quotes the, New, the Old Testament more than any other New Testament book. Sometimes there are also uh, references, while they may not be a direct quote, they're obviously taken from an Old Testament passage. And here he's, he's, uh, this is based on Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. It says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So you can see how this applies to this matter of the race as well. The word here for straight can be understood. As you think about these straight, the straight path, uh, it can be understood as right and smooth. The paths here is literally a wheel track. Uh, you know, you, you might imagine that, uh, a, a track that is made from a wagon wheel and it just continues to go there. And typically, that's why we sometimes talk negatively about getting in a rut. You get in the rut where the wheel's been. And so these uh, would be made smooth. Why? So that again, that runner wouldn't trip up along the way, wouldn't fall and hurt themselves uh, and, and, uh, in, in the process. And again, that shows us that as believers, our responsibility is to be an example to one another, not have anything in our life that would be a stumbling block or would, or, or would cause someone to stumble in their run, in their walk with Christ, or to get off course, even worse, through an unholy example in our lives as believers. So again, we must pay close attention to help those, particularly, what is he, who's referring to? The lame, those who've already been injured. Now, some of you know who are athletes uh, and who had injuries, and you hear, we hear about this. If you follow sports very much, you're always hearing about, uh, you know, like our Grizzlies, you'll hear about this one is, is injured right now, and he has to take, stay off this game, and they're help working on this area, you know, this injury's had. And so you know that how often when there is an injury, then there is just a, a greater tendency toward being injured in that way. And that's true of us spiritually. Again, this is this, the spiritual truth he's teaching us is about those who are, who are injured and who are wounded spiritually. You know, there's a lot of people who've been wounded. There are a lot of wounded people. Sadly, a lot of people have been wounded in church, right? 
They've had experiences. They've had run-ins. They've had difficulties in situations in church. And, and it often sometimes through those difficulties causes them to say, man, I just don't even want to deal with that. I, it, it's, it, it's a, I, you know, it, if I, like one fellow said, you know, the church is, it is like the ark, someone said. If it wasn't for the, uh, the judgment on the outside, sometimes I couldn't stand the stink on the inside. Now, I didn't say that. Somebody else did. I love the church, don't you? But we, we have our struggles. Why? Because we're sinners saved by grace and we, and we fail. And that's why we have to maintain humility with one another. But again, we are those that are wounded. We have to be so cautious in our lives and guard ourselves so that we are setting an example that will not lead others astray so that those who are spiritually lame uh, become per- permanently wounded and even drop out. And, and Paul admonished, and the challenge, I thought about this passage as I thought about this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, where he says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And so our goal is rather uh, that, they, that the lame be further wounded, but instead that they be healed. And we need to see ourselves as, the, as having that responsibility to help one another heal. Sometimes it's wounds from our past. Sometimes it's wounds from our, our life before we came to Christ. It may be family wounds that we're helping people deal with and overcome. That is our responsibility. And you know what? You can just see it without me even having to say it. What does that require? That inquires relationships. That inquires the one another. That, inquire, that requires knowing one another. Becoming a part of our lives together. That's what God intends within the body of Christ. And that, again, um, is our great responsibility. The healing may result in salvation for others. It may be restoration to, uh, in a relationship. It may be, again, a, a, a renewed uh, growth, spiritual growth and health in our lives. For others, again, it, it, it may be that, uh, that healing of, of relationship. Well, let me ask you this question this morning. Are you leaving tracks that others can follow? I reminded immediately of that, that song we sing, uh, Find Us Faithful. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Third, finish the race together by striving with each other, by striving with each other. Notice again, verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The word strive here uh, is translated from a word which means to run swiftly in order to catch someone or something. It, it is used of one who runs uh, the race swiftly to reach the goal. It's translated in Philippians 3.12 as press on, where Paul is talking about, again, the race, press on. Uh, Philippians 1.27 uses a different word, but he speaks there, uh, the word, it is from the word from which we get the word athletics, where he says striving side by side. 
And that's exactly what we're to do as believers in Christ. We're to be striving with each other, not against each other. But notice two things we're to strive for. First of all, strive with each other for peace. Again, he says, strive for peace with everyone. One of the greatest hindrances to finishing our race together and running our race well in the body of Christ is fractured relationships. Um, And again, this can be applied to all relationships, family, work, uh, community, neighborhood. You know, sinners just have difficult time getting along, don't they? Even saved sinners, we struggle and we have uh, differences and we run into, we butt heads sometimes. And so that's why the Bible admonishes us in this so many times that we are to strive together toward peace with one another. As Paul implied the challenge in Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Well, it, it, and let me just remind you, this doesn't mean peace at any price. We are not called to compromise. We're, to call, to call, we're called to stand firm on biblical truth. But let me say this. I sometimes think that some believers just go around looking for a fight. You ever get that feeling? Just looking for a fight. And, uh, and, and sometimes they think that that standing without compromising for truth gives them a right to be bullheaded and to have, a, and to have a, a, uh, uh, an offensive attitude. Not at all. Scripture makes that clear as well. That's not what he's describing here. And while we must not compromise, we're, we're told in 2 Timothy 2.24, Paul uh, wrote it to Timothy and said, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. And we're told in Ephesians 4.15, we must speak the truth in love. So strive with each other for peace. But second, strive with each other for purity. Again, the second part of verse 14 there, he says, and, so in other words, and strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Again, this word uh, holiness, also translated sanctification. We talked about that in our covenant membership class this morning, the doctrine of sanctification. And someone has said sanctification is the process of growing in holiness. And we know, of course, that all believers have what we might refer to as positional holiness. Now, that means that the moment we repent of our sin and, and place our faith in Christ, the Bible says he declares us righteous and we are holy. Uh, so that, that aspect is positional. We don't have to strive for positional holiness. We are holy in Christ. He sees us in Christ. We're, we're clean and we're right before him. That's why we're able to one day go to heaven when we die. And because we are in Christ and we are holy in Christ. So he's not talking about positional holiness when he talks about striving for holiness or purity or sanctification. He's talking about uh, practical holiness, practical sanctification. And again, that, that he, he describes what that holiness is. He said, it is the holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. Now, he's not just saying here that, that by, if we're not living holy, we can't see the Lord. We can't go to heaven. 
But he's saying that's the kind of holiness that we must have. It's his holiness. It's his holiness because only, just as we said last week, we can only be, he has the only holiness there is. So we're striving for his holiness and to be holy like him. You see, man's holiness is prideful. Man's holiness is not holiness at all. It's, it's just a phony holiness, if you will. And so again, we're striving for this, not legalism and pride. That's not holiness at all. J.C. Ryle said, holiness keeps a believer walking in humility so that he will see more evil in his own heart than in any other in the world. So brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how long we've known the Lord and how much we've grown in the Lord, we always realize how much further we have to go. Amen? We see how holy Christ is, and we see that God's still working on us. He's still working to conform us to his image, but praise God, he isn't finished with us yet. So let me ask you this morning, are you pursuing holiness? Are you pursuing sanctification, purity, in your life? And are you trying to help others in the body strive for, uh, for purity and for holiness? And I want to just uh, say a word here again about the gospel journey. Again, w- why we uh, believe this is so important. We, Jesus has commissioned us and commanded us to, to go and make disciples. And that's a lifelong journey. And so discipleship relationships formed uh, in, in, uh, in, our, in our gospel journey, our discipleship groups, Utilizing this tool or some other tool uh, will help us facilitate uh, this relationship, will help, which will help us help one another grow in purity and in holiness. Think about that and pray about that as we think about these relationships in our, in our local body. But number four, as we think about finishing the race together, finish the race together by watching out for each other. Look at verses 15 to 17. He notice verse 15 again, he uses a word there when he says, see to it. Now your translation may have a looking diligently or looking carefully. And that's what this word see to it means by the word, the way the the word, the Greek word is episcopeo. You might recognize that word. Uh, The Episcopalians get their their uh, name from that, but it's the word overseer. It's another word for pastor. And, and so we know pastors are overseers. They oversee the, the, the flock of God. And so uh, th- this is saying to us that all of God's people, while the pastor, yes, has specific responsibility for o- overseeing God's people, God's flock spiritually, uh, really he's saying now that all of us have this responsibility to, to oversee and literally to watch out for one another. We all have that responsibility. So again, it shows once again the essential aspect of our relationship. We like to say, uh, borrowing someone else's term, that, that we want every member to be known, loved, shepherded, and discipled. Each of those are important. So notice uh, the ways in which we are to watch out for each other, to oversee, if you will, to see to it in one another's lives. First of all, watch out for gracelessness among you. Gracelessness, I, that, that word you may not use, but let's, let's look at it. He says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace 
of God. That's why we use that word gracelessness. And, uh, and the word here, MacArthur says the word come short means to come too late, to be left out. And we, we've seen this again over and over in the book of Hebrews. It means basically falling away from grace. Now, some people will ask you, some people from other denominations who do not believe in the what we call the perseverance of the saints doctrine or eternal security doctrine, um, they'll use that term while the Bible says you can fall away from grace. Well, that's what this word, it really means here. But he's not talking about someone who was saved and then fell away from grace. No, he's talking here about uh, these who obviously who are, who are struggling. And, and we'll just say a word about them. This, remember, this church was made up of those who had primarily had come to faith in Christ out of having been Jews, out of Judaism, and had come to faith in Christ, and again, have been going through tremendous persecution for their faith in Christ, or at least their professed faith in Christ, and so now they're being tempted to go back to Judaism. They said, just come on back, probably had families still in, uh, in uh, among as practicing Jews and say, they said, come back. You don't have to go through all that persecution. Come on back. And they were being tempted to throw in the towel. They were tempted to to drop out of the race. And so what he's calling believers to do here is again, uh, to, 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 to watch them and make certain they don't come short and, uh, and to forsake the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, to return to Judaism would be to forsake Christ. It would be to say, Jesus is not really Lord. Jesus, so what he died, he didn't really die for my sin. So it it is to forsake Christ that they're considering and which would be an indication again that they never had truly been born again. And we'll talk about that later, but the word for that is apostasy, Uh, apostasy, becoming an apostate. And uh, again, this is a recurring warning in the book of Hebrews over and over again. So again, what he's saying here is that through our relationships within the body of Christ, we're to help one another watch out for this gracelessness among us. That's why, again, relationships are important through our, through our Sunday school classes, through our community groups, through our, through our discipleship groups, through our friendships. We, we must humbly and lovingly watch out for those who are trusting in something other than Jesus and who are in danger of falling away. Now, some may say, but pastor, isn't that being judgmental if we do that? I mean, we're not supposed to judge. No, it's not being judgmental. It's caring enough to watch out for each other so that we can finish our race together. And by the way, let me ask you a question this morning. Who or what are you trusting for your salvation? Who or what are you trusting for your Salvation. Again, if you answer anything other than Jesus, your faith is misplaced. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not one way or even the best way. He is the only way to a relationship uh, with God. And so that is why it is so important that we help one another recognize that. And, and, keep, and, and put trust in Christ alone. Jesus, who is fully God and fully human, died as our sinless substitute. He rose the third day. And we come to him and re- receive him as our Lord and Savior 
through repentance by turning from our sin and placing our faith and trust in Christ and him alone, nothing else. Have you trusted in Jesus? Are you resting in him and trusting in him? We're to watch out for gracelessness among us. But secondly, we're to watch out for bitterness. Watch out for bitterness among you. Notice again there in the, in, in the second part there of verse 15, he's again using the same uh, word there when he, when he talks about see to it. He says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. These words are taken from Deuteronomy 29 uh, 18 and 19, where Moses warns about a person who hears the word of the covenant but rebels against it and basically says, you know, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to enter into that covenant, but, but I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's okay. And, you know, we, we see that attitude among people. You know, I, I don't really need Jesus. I don't really, uh, I don't really need the, a relationship with Christ uh, I don't really need his church. And, and so that basically seems to be their attitude. But it's kind of like, don't worry about me, I'm fine. And, and so that's the attitude. This person he's describing here is the one who is, it, the person is actually the root of bitterness. But again, they, they have some connection still with the church. And they continue to influence people within the church. And we see that happen and we see that continuing to happen. And so the writer here is warning about watching out for this root of bitterness, this bitterness. And again, their attitude is a bitter attitude, a bitter, rebellious person. Remember in context, these are people who've suffered persecution and they become weary. Maybe they've become bitter and they're ready to drop out of the race for Christ, and they're, they're not satisfied just to do that, but they're trying to spread their bitter influence among others. The word springing up speaks of something that happens very quickly, and uh, this sprouting up very quickly. And he says, through this, many become defiled. Some of you know what that's about. You know what it is to be defiled by bitterness by people who are a root of bitterness. And they seem to spread their disease of bitterness wherever they go. And they influence people. I've seen that in families where bitterness will, will be spread and in, 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 in influencing family members. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in classes and relationships where a bitter spirit, a bitter root, if you will, will influence other people and defile many people. It is a contagious, deadly disease. So how do you watch out for bitterness or a bitter root among us? Again, the, the, bitter, the person with a bitter spirit uh, often comes to you with a critical, uh, a negative, a divisive, a gossiping spirit, often against others uh, in the church. And here's one of the ways we, we watch out for that. We, we, we don't receive that. We don't become, if you will, garbage can ears, Okay. We don't receive negativity. We don't receive critical spirit. We don't receive bitter spirit when people come. We stop them. And I would encourage you, one way to deal with that is just stop that and say, wait a minute, let me ask, have you been to that person? Oh, no, no, I know. He, he won't listen. She won't listen. Uh, and, and, and then say, well, let's, let's pray. And, and let me let you know, I'll go with you 
to talk to that person and to deal with this matter. And, and I'm, I'm available uh, to, to go with you and help you. So pray for them and pray with them. And again, watch out for bitterness because it defiles many. It can defile entire churches. So we must respond biblically to this root of bitterness. Watch out for bitterness among you. But thirdly and finally, watch out for ungodliness among you. Verses 16 and 17, again, he says, see to it, first of all, that no one is sexually immoral. The uh, sexual immorality is one of the, one of the enemy's greatest tools for hindering Christians in their race or professing Christians, even causing them to drop out of the race. Satan so distorts God's beautiful gift of sex for marriage, and he destroys uh, that uh, he destroys people's life with it. And we see that. It's been going on for a long time, but it seems to be especially rampant in our day. One of the most uh, dangerous tools and traps that he uses today is internet pornography. Uh, and, and then personal lives, marriages, families, the testimonies of believers, the testimony of churches uh, and is de- devastated by sexual immorality. And again, so... Uh, rampant in our day. So guard against this in your own life. That is again why we must be accountable. Uh, Husbands and wives must be accountable to one another. We need to be accountable. Men need to have friends in their lives. Women need to have uh, godly saints in their lives who can confront them and hold them accountable. And and then there's additional tools today. If if you're on the internet, like Covenant Eyes are accountable to you. And, And I encourage you to build accountability in your life. in in this area of sexual immorality to guard against sexual immorality. Then he warns against being unholy like Esau. Uh, He goes on to describe Esau who sold his birthright to his brother Jacob for a single meal. Basically what he's describing there is how important this, uh, how unimportant, if you will, this was. You see, Esau was just a, 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 a worldly man. He was a man who just lived for pleasure. He was just a man who lived sensually for, for just whatever he could get a hold of in this life. He pictures so many in our day. Eventually, he was successful, uh, but he, he was willing to just throw away what really mattered. He was willing to throw away this birthright as the oldest son and, uh, and, and he, once he realized what he had done, he, he regretted it. He, he wept. But, but again, it was all, even then, more about his worldly profit and material gain rather than the, the, the spiritual benefits and blessing. And, and, and God had chosen that through Jacob would come, that birthright would result in the coming of the Messiah through that line. And that's what God had chosen. And so again, he, he pictures this spirit of worldliness that has invaded the church and which we must guard against as the people of God, thinking uh, in the, as the world and not according to the word of God. So again, as we watch out for each other in each of these areas, we must seek to restore those who are on the, who are on the verge of dropping out of the race and, uh, and to uh, confront them lovingly because they are in the place of being disqualified uh, for the race. And we do that as we're told in Galatians 6.1, brothers, if anyone is caught in, a, in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And we're to follow Jesus 
pattern given to us, procedure for, for discipline in the church in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Well, many this week among evangelicals are grieving over the news that uh, was recently exposed that Joshua Harris and his wife Shannon have divorced. And you may not know that name readily, but some of you will. He was the author of a book, a popular book entitled I Kiss Dating Goodbye, in which he, he again extolled the, the virtues of courtship over dating and presented biblical truth about sex. And uh, he became a pastor in 2004 and continued in that role until 2015. And even more tragically, uh, he's also revealed through this statement, he said, he said, by all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. He said the biblical phrase is falling away. And our hearts break to hear that news. Scripture is clear, as we've said, that it is impossible for a true uh, believer, a saved person who is a Christian, then to not be a Christian any longer. The Bible says that is impossible. So again, our conclusion to that is that he never was born again. He was never saved. He never came, became a believer. He is a picture of what is being described here in this passage. Someone who is falling away. He is clear example of the message largely of the book of Hebrews, warning one another and exhorting one another. So as we think about this, we need to pray for Joshua and Shannon for their family, but it also leads me to ask this question. Did or does Joshua have some Andrews in his life, like I told about earlier this morning? Someone in his life who would who would be in the race running along with him, and when they would see him stumbling or seeing him, they would be watching over him, and, and when, that, when they saw that tendency in his life, they would seek to restore him. Perhaps so. I don't know all the details of the story. I'm sure more, more will, be, uh, will be forthcoming. But again, it, it, it causes us to ask that. And every time I hear of someone who's fallen in to immorality or fallen away or falling away from the faith, uh, then I ask that question. And again, some will persist in that even when attempts are made to restore them. But we should again uh, seek to share the gospel and, and continue to, uh, to, to pour the gospel into these kinds of people. Perhaps he does, but many do not. So do you this morning, do you have Andrews in your life? Uh, Andrews in your life who will come along and when you uh, are in, a, in danger of stumbling or falling or, or uh, falling away, that they're encouraging you and, and, and that they're share, pouring the gospel into you. And then again, uh, are you being that kind of Andrew to others? Are you seeking to be what we see taught in this passage? Are you seeking to help others finish the race so that we can finish the race well and finish the race together. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. 
If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.